beautiful souls. A gentle warning for today's podcast. We will be discussing child abuse within the church. And while we will not discuss the graphic details surrounding that abuse, some listeners may find this content disturbing. And we ask you to consider that before listening. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters. Let's settle in to find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies. And our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled, When the Pope's Words Fail Humanity, What the Pope Really Meant When He Talked About Pets in Our Lives. Now, this podcast and the accompanying blog that you can find on my website at numasol.com is inspired by the Pope's recent comments about pets. So Pope Francis has been seen as one of the most liberal and progressive popes ever. Now, there are people who feel that the Pope's liberal persona is a ruse for a very conservative man who's only pretending to be progressive to woo back members of the church who have left. So let's explore that. According to NBC News, many people were hopeful he would do more to elevate the rights of women and the LGBTQIA plus community within the church. However, what we have seen is that uh, he's been kind of slow to that, and that has been very frustrating for people who have been supportive of him. Now, he did name the first woman to a managerial position inside the Vatican to the office of Secretariat of State. And apparently that's a very important office. And he also has advocated for the rights of women. However, he always, they, they use this, this kind of phrase a lot when they're talking about the Pope. He speaks warmly. And you're, you're going to hear that in a few minutes as well. He speaks warmly of women's gifts and the church's need for them. However, he raises their expectations to think that women are actually going to be given power. However, that isn't, hasn't been the case. There is no line for women to become ordained in the church, even though they have been allowed into certain positions where they can uh, not perform the duties of the priest for perhaps uh, like, for instance, like performing mass or hearing confessions, but they have been able to be uh, ordained as deacons. But for, of course, for a lot of women, that's not enough for them. And I agree with that. Now, as far as the LGBTQIA plus community, um, he, the Pope has invited advocates to the Vatican. And once again, he has spoken warmly about the place of gay people in the church. And he's also called for the national laws for same-sex civil unions. Now, I remember when one of those announcements came out that I did a video on that celebrating that. However, what happened there that a lot of people feel frustrated about is that oftentimes when uh, a person who represents an historically uh, uh, institution that resists the of offering the rights, equal rights, or recognizing the authenticity of a, of a human's rights to exist in the world as they have shown up in the world, what often happens is they elevate the, their condition to a certain level and then cap it. So like a glass ceiling, if you will. And that seems to be what's happening inside the church, because when the when the Pope said something about blessing same-sex unions, there was an inference there that clerics, uh, priests would be able to officiate blessings. And that was shot down. 
very quickly and harshly by the Pope. And when he said that same-sex unions blessed by the church are not, quote, not ordered to the creator's plans. And it went on to say that acknowledging those unions is illicit. It says that, quote, that it says that, quote, God cannot bless sin, end quote. So as you can imagine, that was very disheartening for a lot of uh, LGBTQIA plus community members and advocates. Now let's look at, oh, there goes my grand dog. <laughs> she's, she's been asleep for two hours and now she decides to get up. That's okay. I think she hears me talking and I wake her up. I think that's what's happening because before I start this, I'm typing away and then she hears me talking and she decides it's time to get up. So I must annoy her. Anyway, so back to this, uh, according to a Pew Research Center, and of course, there is a I have got so many notes and references for this podcast, and you'll find them in the show notes. But according to a Pew Research Center poll, the Pope's popularity plummeted in 2018. And this is when the church was criticized once again for its handling of child sex abuse cases. And as you know, this has been an ongoing issue for a long time. And I don't think this story is going to uh, go away anytime soon. It will continue to impact the Catholic church for years. But some of that has been because uh, many people feel that the Pope, again, feeling that he would be more liberal and progressive would pursue justice for the abused. And they feel like he hasn't been as forthcoming as he should have been on this. And now, most recently now we're hearing about these horrific mass burials of indigenous children at residential schools that were operated by the Catholic church. Now, according to the Kibbelec First Nation, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, I always go look to see how new words to me are pronounced, and I found conflicting ways to pronounce this. So I'm just picking one, and I hope I don't offend. If anyone knows for sure how to pronounce that, please let us know at info at numasoul.com and just reference this podcast. But according to the Keboek First Nation, in September of 21, they put the number of recovered bodies of children at just over 6,500. Now, this is in a place located just north of, uh, of Ottawa, Canada. Now, several news sources have said that they, why they cannot verify that number because it's, uh, it, it's also pointed out that govern, government officials outside of the indigenous tribes have no idea how many children lived at these schools. So, if this is as close to an assessment that we can have because these people care about the outcome of this. So the Canadian, we shouldn't look to the Canadian government to be able to confirm anything the Kibboek should be taken at their word. They deserve that respect for the suffering generations of their people that they have endured for years because they have tried for years to bring justice for these children and it seems to finally be happening. Now, why this is important is because in June of 21, the Pope acknowledged these gruesome discoveries of these children and the Catholic Church involvement in the operating of those schools. But unfortunately, he stopped short of offering any kind of apology, something that many people feel he should have done and are disappointed that he, that he hadn't done. And we'll go on to talk about that a little bit here because at that same month, in America, the Pope's popularity was at an all-time high. At over 65% of American Catholics felt that he was doing a good job. 
So in other words, Catholics didn't seem to be too impacted. But again, those stories are kind of right at the same time. And I'm not quite sure when that poll was taken that Pew Research uh, reported. What's interesting, of course, and I don't think this is really surprising, Democrat Catholics do not approve of the uh, Pope's work as much as Republican Catholics. And I think we're also seeing this at a play out across the political realm of America right now. So why does anything that the Pope does, why does it matter? Why do we pay attention to this? Well, according to Time Magazine, Pope is consistently listed as one of the most influential humans in the world. In one list that listed a bunch of international leaders, he appears on there time and again. Now, it's interesting that also on this list, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, Liz Cheney, Donald Trump, which all of that makes sense. I would have to give pause on why in the world Tucker Carlson made that list. But if you think about his influence over providing misinformation and the hyperbole that he provides around his uh, his entertainment cast, then I believe that that's why he made the list. In another list, he, of the top 30 most powerful men in the world, he came in as, as number five. And if you think about, even on that list, he was considered the most influential religious leader. And that's that can be understood. He's so visible. And he also is the leader of a religion that has about 1.3 billion Catholics worldwide. It's also interesting that the greatest growth of Catholicism right now is seen in Africa and Asia. And again, all these statistics will be in the show notes. Uh, in Africa and Asia with a growth of about three and a half percent, somewhere between three and a half and three uh, percent, depending on uh, how you look at it, followed by Europe with just a very small increase of 1.5 percent. And in the Americas where it's almost stagnant. Now, according to another Pew Research article, Catholicism in America actually has declined, not at the same rate as Protestant Christianity, but it declines. It has declined nonetheless. So it's really, whether it's stagnant or it's declining, it's all in there. And I guess it depends on what time of the year you're asking people, what's the political climate, what's going on in their lives, who asked the questions, what questions you ask, all of that comes into play. But very consistently, you see in, especially in the United States, that Christianity is stagnant uh, and not growing at all. And that is a great segue into the conversation about what the Pope said. Because if you look at what's happening, outside of Africa and Asia and a little bit of Europe, Catholicism is not growing. So just like you see in other parts of Christianity, that's not growing and, and or people are, are leaving. And that's where, of course, my story intersects, even though I'm not Catholic. A lot of what the Pope's words remind us that his, who he is, is from another time. He is still entrenched in a patriarchal religious indoctrination, and that reminds us why we left that religion in the first place. So in case you didn't hear what the Pope said, he said this during a general audience session 
uh, at the Vatican. And this is just where he sits and he answers questions and he talks basically off the cuff. And he was discussing the, he basically made disparaging remarks about people who choose pets over children. And he suggested that this lessens our humanity. And this just wasn't the, an off the cuff kind of comment. He's actually made these kind of comments before. He called it, quote, a form of selfishness, end quote, that, quote, is a denial of fatherhood and motherhood and diminishes us and takes away our humanity, end quote. He went on to say, quote, yes, dogs and cats take place of children. Yes, it's funny. I understand, but it is the reality, end quote. Now, he then tr tried to lay out the harsh consequences of what it would happen if we have continue to have declining uh, childish future where people aren't having children. And he even mentioned the drying up of pension plans. So this, this went on beyond the fact that people turn their, uh, their care of, of children away from children and over to animals. He tied finances to this. So let's go down this road a little little. Uh, farther. Now, this reaction was swift. If you're not on social media, you missed it. It's worth to just go do a quick Google search. And you can also go to TikTok and see my response videos. I did two of them where many people left very scathing comments because they felt that his, uh, the Pope's comments were very insensitive towards pet odors. And some people, you know, justifiably wondered why so many of us who are not Catholic cared about what he had to say. But we also understand that someone who's the leader of 1.3 billion people, his his words will power throughout the world. And, you know, not only do they have this power, they have vast amounts of real estate and sacred artifacts and unimaginable wealth that's a part of this organized religion. And so that kind of wealth and assets has, has power and influence over our government and those in power to run it. So there's so much swirling around this that it's easy, it's actually a deflection to get caught up in what the Pope said about kids. And it does, it does deserve time here because it's ironic that in the Pope's role, he chooses not to have kids because he can't to perform his duty as Pope. But I guess that's okay if you're sitting up in an esteemed position. Your role is then just to issue these edicts for everybody else to follow. And that certainly follows the pattern of uh, the, the popedom, if you will, inside the Catholic Church. But what he didn't do was acknowledge that raising a family is costly and time-consuming. He disregarded the healing presence of animals in our lives. And the heartbreaking reality that pet overpopulation is lessened by adoption, which is also a human-made construct. So why wouldn't some people care about that and want to offer a pet's home over the children? Because both are very expensive. Trust me, I did rescue for years, my husband and I did, where we think that the count is over about 250 dogs and a few cats that came through. And I can tell you that those bills are very, very expensive. But when you look at people who choose not to have children, it's because they decide that they know how expensive it is to pay the bills and keep food on the table just for themselves. How in the world are they gonna be able to pay for children? So let's look at this more compelling and profound message that's being missed. And this is why the Pope's message is about his true intention. And this is where he used the phrase during these comments about pet owners being selfish. He used the phrase demograph demographic 
winter. This isn't the first time he has used this phrase either. So demographic winter refers to a period of time or a season when death rates outpace birth rates, resulting in a negative population growth. So while the Pope was speaking specifically about Italy's declining population, these we can see across uh, the globe that there's many places that the global birth rates are also falling. So let's take a deep dive into this really quickly, because in my research for this podcast, I also saw that a couple of days ago, Elon Musk, of all people, thinks it's a big enough problem that he tweeted about the declining birth rates. And here's what he said. He's worried that there will not be enough people to populate Mars. Now think about all the problems that we have on Earth right now. Can you imagine having a life that when you hear about declining birth rates, that populating Mars is the biggest problem you see when you consider that? This is from a man who furloughed workers at the height of the pandemic and forced many of his employees to take pay cuts as much as 30%. Now, Taking pay cuts was a strategy for many companies, but many companies don't have owners worth about $40 billion. This also kind of, hearing Elon's remarks took me back to Marie Antoinette's quote, whether or not she truly said it, which is let them eat cake. When she found out in the 18th century that some of her French subjects had no bread, she apparently said, let them eat cake. And after that, she was one of the most hated people in the world because it shows you the disconnect between monarchy and the people who are suffering. So isn't it easy to tell people to populate the world when you clearly have no issue with paying your bills? Now, according to the Pew Research Center, birth rates in America are also declining. And the number one reason people have given for not wanting to have kids is they just don't want to have kids. They didn't want to give any other reason other than that. I, they just don't want to have kids. Now, that's enough to stand on its own. And that was by far the majority of what people said. But when they also looked at why some of the people said they didn't want to uh, have kids, they said things like medical reasons, their, their job demands, a lack of affordable housing, lack of child care, uh, medical reasons that they did that for, for themselves or worried about healthcare expenses, which is a valid reason here in America. So according to another article in the Business Insider, fertility rates dropped 4% during the pandemic, the largest drop in U.S. history. We had a peak uh, in 2007. Then after that, if you remember, we had a huge recession that we've never really recovered from. And when you look at the estimates of how much it costs this day and age to raise a child to adulthood, which is estimated to be about a quarter of a million dollars up to $260,000, you can see why people aren't having children. It's a different world now. So if Elon Musk is worried about populating Mars, imagine how corporate and world leaders see the birth rate decline. How will established institutions perpetuate their existence? It is almost as if they've set a table where only they will win, always win, and wonder why people no longer want to play. And I think you're seeing that when they talk about the, the season of the Great Resignation. People are willing to take their chances outside of a system where they simply cannot get ahead. Now, according to another article in Forbes.com, the world's richest people now own 11% of global wealth. It's with so many of them 
catapulted into a higher level of wealth during the pandemic. This marks the biggest leap in recent history. So you also see during this pandemic that economic disparity in the developing countries also grew, which means the people who are in power grew wealth. The people who are uh, below in poverty levels, that increased. So it makes the poor among us more impacted by things like climate change, lack of resource, food stability, housing security, all those things that disrupt the systems that make the everyday people the commoners, if you will, all the people who are worried about getting by, just how are they going to put food on the table? Why in the world would you even consider bringing a child into this? So even though a lot of these statistics will are reflected on uh, young people who are focused on their careers, there's also a whole other section here of people who just simply would love to have children and can't afford it. So now we've made the connection from Elon Musk and why corporations around the world and pe people in power are worried about the declining birth rates. Let's look at religion. So we're back to the Pope. So if corporate leaders are worried about the birth rates, so are church leaders. The Pope and other church leaders are very aware that declining church memberships compounded with declining birth rates means that funding for the perpetuation of their religious institutions are at risk. And I'm going to say this respectfully, but I mean it when I say amen. I don't mean that lightly, but the truth is that in, here in America, Christianity has been on an eight decade decline. And why is that? Because a lot of people leave Christianity because of a toxic theology environment. Organized religion does not recognize that an evolved humanity does more than invite the poor and the hungry and the destitute and marginalized to a table of compassion, it recognizes that they never owned the table or had the right to invite or withhold an invitation from others to begin with. People see religion often play in this bait and switch theological dance, and they're tired of it. They see church leaders that excuse pedophiles and abusers, yet condemn the sexual or gender authenticity of kind and loving LGBTQIA plus humans who are doing good in the world. They are tired of the harm that has been done by a rigid dogma that demands a blind obedience to ancient scripture that's often taken out of context and used for control. They no longer trust that church leaders truly care for their well-being when they are seen leading extravagant lives while struggling single parents are denied basic services or even help within the church. And I've heard so many heartbreaking stories like this where single moms will try that belong to a church for years will be denied the services that the church has in their benevolent funds because the woman isn't married. And yet the pastor lives in a 10,000 square foot home. And they are angry that Christianity has been hijacked by nationalist extremists who have aligned with corrupt and unethical political fig figures who now threaten our democracy. And yes, I'm speaking directly about Donald Trump. How have church leaders, including the Pope, responded to this mass exodus, this decline in people being affiliated with Christianity? How have they responded? By simply doubling down. They insist on holding firm to an archaic system and demanding that those of us who have left, they demand that we return, ask for forgiveness, and come under their submission. 
it's evidence and it's evident in the way they are scrambling now I see it all the time as they're trying to take control of the narrative around so many of us who are telling our deconstruction story they're dismiss dismissing us as of never having real faith and just wanting to sin. we left church because we just wanted to sin. so the Pope's response people are just selfish they'd rather have pets this demographic winter is a complex societal issue that goes beyond leaving religion. It reveals the spaces where greed in the corporate boardroom forced labor to the edges of poverty, to the delight of shareholders. It brings to light the real problem of an entire political system in which both Democrats and Republicans participate, that they pander to this corporate greed, which insists that things like not raising the minimum wage since 2009, that's acceptable. I think about that. And if, if according to a, a report by CBS News, if the minimum wage had kept track, had kept pace with inflation, it would be at $26 an hour right now. Now, in 1978, I worked at a chicken joint and I was making $7.25 an hour. Think about that. So you are, and yes, that was good money at the time. Trust me, I knew that. But we are at a place where people cannot find affordable housing, have no health care options, don't have enough money to make ends meet, and somehow it's their problem. No church leaders, no Pope Francis. People are not selfish. They are awakening to the reality that you nor their government can be relied upon to take care of the, even their most basic needs. They are awakening to the hypocrisy that this message that you put out of all life is, uh, is precious is not real because they don't see themselves as precious. You, you, are, you are protecting a system that oppresses them in so many ways, that denies them social services to help care for that life that you call precious. My friends, I'm gonna be bold when I say this, but patriarchy is a malignant cancer that relies on the continued oppression and silent submission of entire swaths of communities. And I no longer will be silent. And so many voices join me in the call that it is time for us to awaken to a kinder, more compassionate, inclusive humanity to reject the one that is greedy and corrupt and utilizes exploitative systems to marginalize the oppressed. Now, Jesus modeled what to do when corruption is found among us. He walked right into the center of its power and he flipped the tables and in no uncertain terms told them that their ways were not the way of the holy. Jesus exemplified humanity. This is where we are going. We must use our voices to be allies. I pray that for all of you. May it be so. Blessed be. Okay, beautiful souls. I am so honored to be in this space with you. I hope you heard something today that brought you clarity and wisdom. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you know that you are loved. Go and know that others are on this journey that see you for who you truly are. Blessings on your week, and I shall see you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. 
You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at RevCarla.com. As always, follow at RevCarla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!